Episode 148 of the Talking Bollocks podcast brought to you by Go Loud. It's me, Terry Flower. It's me, COB. And this week we're joined by Nathan Kelly, ABCD123. <laughs> <laughs> What's happening, Nathan? Nah, I'm sweet, boys, yeah. Obviously, you have this fight coming up, so I'm just locked in for it. Like, yeah, flat out. Been living the bar in life, literally, do you know what I mean? Like, head it, down. It's literally just head down, focused on what I want to achieve. And... I'm actually like a monk sometimes, bro. I'm actually, even my mates, I don't see them around. I'm just a barn little, little fucker now, you know what I mean? Coming up to the fight, but I like it. It's like a, it's like a, it calms me, you know what I mean? All that, all the kind of preparation and the fact that I have to be in the gym every day and I have to be doing what I need to do to get the best out of my performance. And it's like, it's just a form of meditation for me. So I'm, I'm in good spirits lately, you know what I mean? And I'm just on a good roll at the moment. So my life feels like it's all... Just falling into place for myself, do you know what I mean? So, well, that's why you were saying earlier on that you feel calm going into fights, obviously, because yeah. the preparation you're putting, yeah, you're not out acting the bollocks, you're not out drinking, you're not out, do you know what I mean? You're, you're just constantly putting the walk in, getting the recovery right, and Long doing whatever. So, for anybody who doesn't know you, obviously, yeah, you're an MMA <laughs> fighter, Nathan, yeah? yeah, yeah, you've just fought at MSG in New York, yeah, in the most iconic arenas in the world, and now you're about to headline the three arena in Dublin, yeah, in the next couple of weeks, so it's it's a mental journey for a young player from Fingless as yeah. well. Yeah. But I seen on Twitter there last week or the week before, was it? Someone getting you mixed up with Nate Kelly. Yeah, yeah. I seen a picture, somebody put a picture up of Nate Kelly. Do you remember when he was on? Is it, was that his dad's shoulders, was it? It wasn't even. I know your man, uh, Stephen Lowry, your man. So it's just, it's just an, an MMA, yeah. And he was yeah. shouting up to Aldo. And then the next picture is a picture of Nate. <laughs> 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 Time goes fast. It's about eight years the difference being with a full arm beard and a fucking build like that. And, uh, this kid grew, really grew up. Do people and, call like, <laughs> Do people call you Nate or Nate? No, like, what way does it work? Me, me family would call me Nate, you know what I mean? Because they're like just easier for them. Just me man yeah. call me Nate, my dad, my sister, they all call me Nate. Like, obviously, some of my team, my coaches call me Nate, but uh, some people call me Nate. It's just preference, really, you know what I mean? Yeah. But well, I used to never go around and say my name is Nate Kelly, yeah, until people, it just became more like prominent in me life. I think it's a people, real American thing, isn't it? It is, Nate yeah. is real American. Yeah. yeah. Like some people just call me Nathan, you know what I mean? And uh, sometimes it then sounds mad when people just call me Nathan. It sounds like, uh, I don't I don't like that as much. But when I'm saying my name, I'm, nowadays I normally I would just say Nathan, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. And I tried to pronounce the T and the H and I sometimes yeah. I say, oh, Nathan, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I remember my mate's ma used to always go mad at him because he'd say Nathan. And she'd be like, no, it's Nathan. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I was, I was like, he's like, fuck Well, they obviously weren't from Finglish then, were he? Yeah, he was. He was actually <laughs> born a bad Finglish, you know what I mean? I think his ma was probably trying to push the more uh, grammatically correct approach you know what I mean <laughs> yeah. it's like, nah, Nathan. did I hear someone has a zinger yeah. yeah so right this actually caused a lot of store in my gaff yeah something so stupid right so you need to place yourself in this position right you're sitting on the toilet yeah you're sitting <laughs> on the toilet yeah you go to your toilet roll holder you go with the wipe right does your toilet roll on the holder have a fringe or a mullet that is an absolute sensational way of putting that I never would have thought about that does the toilet roll have a fringe or a mullet it's just a toilet roll, do you have a face in out or is it in? So is is the is mine, the mine has a mullet. Oh, like, I give mine a fringe. I give mine the mullet. And my sister goes mullet, yeah. Mm. And whenever I see it, I always change it to fringe. And then I'll, I'll come back up to the jacks <laughs> and then it'll be back to the right way of putting it. That's honestly yeah, like, that's yeah. probably the best best way of articulating the thing I've ever heard in me like. Yeah, so 
Fringe or a mullet? Yeah, fringe or a mullet? What would you be going to? I don't really give a bollocks, boys, yeah? I'd be going up to, like, my ma's a fringe as well, so I'm a fringe, my ma's a fringe. Just be this unspoken of war. We don't even mention it, yeah, but yeah. It just the, the toilet roll is just always flipped around, uh, like, the other side. Like, you have to get one of them, Johnny, put a standing up. Yeah, and you just you just take it off that like yeah. off the, the yoke. Yeah. yeah, but like this this little mini war in my gaff, like we don't mention it. I, I don't say to my sister, like, why are you doing fucking change the toilet roll back around? <laughs> yeah. But I got to the point where I actually had to mention it. I was like, is that you who keeps changing that to, to the back to the one? She's like, yeah, I have to have it that way. And I was like, no, well, I need to have it as a fringe. <laughs> so it's just like every time we go in, it's just in a new position. I'll change it around on spite and stuff like that. But uh, that's, a good one. That, that's one. And then I, I, maybe this one was used before. I, and then I have another one out as well because this is just a preference one your cups in the press you put them or the glasses you put them upside down or right side up upside down it keeps the dust out of them is that, is that what you do yeah yeah, yeah I just stand them up and then I put, before I put it never in a cup or a glass yeah, wash rinse it out, it out. regardless yeah. that's what I do as well yeah but I just have them all standing mm -hmm. up it's mad because some, some of the cups in the press in my gaff are the, upside yeah. down and some are, some are right side up and I'm just like I put them right side up I know myself. have them one way or the other I don't I know. Like having I, them I, I know. up and upside <laughs> I, I think it depends on who does my stab press up I think it depends on who does the roll and mullet as well yeah I think it depends on who does the dishes um and then the last one I, I, I'd say is, uh, do you know like tracksuit bottoms, yeah? Do you know like the, the real loose bottoms? Would you rather loose tracksuit bottoms with like, you know like Canterbury chats with the fucking big long flappy end? Would you rather wear them and they fit you? Or would you rather wear baggy tracksuit bottoms that are too baggy? Put that I elastic hate on the bottom. Anything without but, an yeah, elastic. Yeah, but there's elastic on the bottom, but they're just real baggy. You know what I mean? Like annoyingly baggy that if you put your phone in, it's bleeding, uh, it's down the end. You're almost yeah. you're almost holding it as you I walk. Never you know what I mean? Bottoms without an elastic at the end. Do you know what? So I only said that. this the other night to uh to Ward you about cargos. Yeah. And I said cargos are the best thing ever because they're tight at the waist. They're tight at the bottom at your ankle and they're loose everywhere else. Yeah, for the pockets and all. Oh, yeah. everywhere else is just loose and it's a perfect fit. Yeah. And I feel like that's where the baggy tracks your bottoms would kind of be the closest thing to that, so I'd have to go with that. Yeah. I wouldn't have that shit where they're just bagging you standing on the bottom of them and all the bleeding oh, and the bloody yokes. I'd be copying you now. I'd, I'd have to wear baggy baggy ones with, with like a tight, a tight at the end yeah. because... I reckon if I was wearing them loose end bottoms, I'd be getting into more fights on the street than I'd like just yeah. because of the frustration of standing yeah. on them. The first person I see is going to get a right hand on sight. Like, you know what I mean? What I used to do when I was younger, boys. So I had a pair of them, yeah, bro. So obviously I bought the tracksuit and I didn't realise. I used to put a bobbin around my stock. Same! And Same, you put bro. the bottom of her in and fold her over. Yeah. And it used to look fresh. You'd never know. Yeah. And then until you go home, you take your stockings and your bobbins off. Oh, you actually used to do it exactly. Yeah. Normally, you might be buying me them boxy tracks. And like, obviously, I'm not have the heart that I'm not wearing them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, because you take what you can get. No so, yeah. yeah, take what you can get as a kid. Like, especially if you don't have much. And uh, But you used to try to bobbin in at the end and, and, and trying to make the, make the best out of that situation. Over, yeah. And it used to look fresh. And because I was going to hit you with the you can't tuck the loose bottoms into your socks if you wanted to kind of make them tight you know what I mean if you wanted to make them yeah. tight and give them that tight well, feel you see some people get away with them, them. Away with them but, but if I took yeah. that away people do that these days remember talking your bottoms into your stockings wasn't but for training people yeah, train, yeah people do. I like, bro sometimes I like to tuck the bottoms into socks because how else are you going to know I'm wearing Nike socks if I don't tuck my socks <laughs> in <laughs> if you tuck my bottoms <laughs> into my socks you <laughs> come here we were having a little chat on the balcony Calvin wasn't there and uh, you said you listened to this week's bonus episode yeah I just like a little bit of backup on this, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> right. and you're not a bad person to have backing me up, to be honest. Yeah, because obviously, Terrence, I listened to it this morning. He was talking about drowning in the shower. Yeah, and <laughs> sometimes that does happen to me as well. I swear to God. And I was just saying to him because, like, until you can, until I explain it, I was like, 
when I'm washing myself, yeah, sometimes <laughs> I think it depends on the, the angle of your face or the way you tilt your head. But when you're washing the stuff out of your hair, sometimes the wa- your face is at an angle where you can't breathe your nose and you can't breathe your mouth. And then you're stuck in a position where you can't see, you can't open your mouth and you can't breathe your nose. So it's like about five seconds of panic. And it happens to me quite, quite regularly. I would that morning, I was like, get the fuck in. He's like, I'm not the only person who was No, my this. problem is, I always say... Like, some people keep that to themselves, do you get me? But I have a real problem with letting people know stupid things about you, do you get yeah. me? I know you've nearly drowned in the shower on, on multiple occasions. So there's like, two boys that waterboarding themselves in the shower. <laughs> in the shower, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah part, was, I listened to it this morning, I was like, fucking, yeah, I do. That happens to me quite frequently, like, mm. more than it should, probably should happen to me, that happens to me. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it is what it is. At least, <laughs> at least I'm not a bleeding tool, and it's not only me, you know what I mean? Like, it's <laughs> other people are suffering from this world war. Yeah, yeah. So, you and Terry are the only ones we know so far, <laughs> and you want to relax there with the assumptions. The send us a message you've been nearly drowned in the shower before, yeah? <laughs> people <laughs> wearing armbands, brushing their teeth. <laughs> they are, uh, I forgot to tell you, I was at Charlie Hussey's joke on Sunday. Yeah, how'd you go? I didn't make it, unfortunately. Yeah, but, I only, I was only able to go to the first half and I was fuming because when I started off I was kind of watching the clock I was like we need to hit the road we need to hit the road but he stops for a break for a, like a lunch and when I got around to that I was like I'm fuming we have to go because it was like it literally just it started off slow and just went fum it just oh it was deadly honestly he had everybody up screaming shadow boxing and all yeah. before the break and I just remember thinking like this is class and uh, yeah there was a good few people that came up to me there and said that they listened to his episode and that made them buy tickets so uh, they're big fans of the podcast I'll shout out to anyone who I was speaking to there but just how we incorporate the science behind the actions that we have and the thoughts that we have and I was just thinking because like, Billy Walsh was in the crowd and he kept referencing Billy and telling stories about Billy Walsh and he told a good story as well that he had a fighter who lost in like an Olympic qualifier final and he said he was lying down on the ground crying in the dressing room and he's like, does it ever get any easier, Billy? And Billy goes, no, it'll never get any easier. Your opponents won't get any smaller. He says, but we can get bigger and we can get tougher and we'll make this challenge easier. And I was like, Jesus Christ. I was motivated, lads. I didn't want to leave because I'm like hyped up the bits and what am I doing? I'm getting into the car to drive somewhere. Do you know what I mean? I need to yeah. go out. I want to fucking have a fight. I want to run. I want to conquer the world. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And Jerry's so soft-spoken as well. So he's just... His message comes across so easy, do you know what I mean? That's who you want to be listening to now, yeah. right in the dressing room before you go out. Yeah, I actually really enjoy Jerry's podcast, which is because it's obviously, I can relate to a lot of the stuff he was saying in relation to the sports and stuff like that. But, you know, sometimes you lack kind of people like that in your life. and Or it's not that you lack them, but you don't really identify who can actually be like motivational for you like and stuff like that. And I think like I, something like that now, I'd benefit a lot from going to as well because like even though I'm already motivated and I know what I want, I think when someone who's like kind of been through it, it all and you know what I mean and has the experience when they say it to you, like we said Terence, when they say something to you that maybe you already know but they say it in a different way for you yeah. to understand you go they lay it out for you and yeah, you digest yeah. it that's, and that's what it is like with me I need it laid out in front of me you know what I mean you can't tell me like you know if you go to bed 10 minutes earlier you'll feel a lot better but why like what is them 10 minutes yeah. doing for me tell me that and he was just giving examples of stuff and be like you know like your emotions and the physical reactions you have so obviously when you're sad you cry when you're angry you clench your fists these are just like motor responses your brain is triggering and you don't even realise that yeah. and you know what I mean you're embarrassed to go red stuff like that you're not you're not like I'm going to go red now you just go red naturally and st- and he was able to just how he articulates it breaks it down and brings it across and even stuff that I find that we do before we go on a live show so I said this to Amy when I was leaving I hop around a bit so I kind of dance on my toes yeah. before we walk out and he goes, that's you switching on. You're upping your tempo to match the energy. Mm. And I was like, I just do that. 
you know what I mean? Because yeah. it helps with the nervous energy. They thought you'd just do it. Yeah. yeah. And then it's like, but he has everyone doing it then before the break and he has them all saddle boxing and shouting. And when you're shouting, you let it out. Rather than leaving it built up inside, you're letting it out there, you know what I mean? You're not letting it control you, you're controlling that. And it's just half phenomenal. So anyone, anybody out there who's second guessing getting tickets to one of the Jerry seminars, I couldn't recommend that enough. And I know like you were on here and you you were singing his praises as well. But I, it was nice then to be on the other side of that and see it for myself. Do you know yeah, what I mean? I knew, I knew if you went, you'd love feel, it. You'd yeah. feel the same way. I knew you would because yeah. when I went, like, I swear to God, boys, that changed my life. For a long period, I was just in a completely different mindset, positive mindset, knew what I wanted to do, knew what I needed to do. And obviously, you have to fucking keep following the steps. Walk, you know what yeah. saying. And obviously, Sometimes you don't do that, you know what I mean? But that's why we have his book and all that. So I haven't even read his book yet, but I can't wait to read it, but I, I fully agree with you. I must yeah. get on the book myself, actually, yeah. boys. Yeah. yeah, I think that would be something that I take on positive information, you know what I mean? Yeah. You don't read enough books, probably. I, I actually think books are essential to air growth, <coughs> like mentally, intellectually, everything, you know what I mean? And uh, that's something I think will definitely help me. Do you know, like, people think it's mad that I read books, like, yeah? Because, like, I'm a bit blatant jittery and I'm a bit blatant out there, you know what I mean? I, yeah. I, don't, I think a lot of people think that I'm not really educated or something, do you get me as well? But uh, I don't know reading. You read like one book a week. Yeah, I've read so many books. Like reading is like this gonna sound mad, but reading kind of like is like a form of meditation for me. Like that's one thing that I know calms me right down, and it has to be a physical book as well. Yeah. So like when I'm feeling the pages, yeah, I'm, I'm the same. I can't read page. off my phone. It's just annoying. Yeah. Uh, the screen or something. I don't know. It bothers me. I think I can dive in. I the think book. it's a progress, lads. So you know when you flick your pages through your fingers, and then on your left hand you can feel the, it getting bigger. Yeah, yeah that is you know, thicker, how much yeah, it's yeah. getting thicker. You can feel it. You're like, geez, I'm flying through this. Yeah. There is that as well, yeah, but I like, I love putting my phone on flight mode, putting it down, spending a couple of hours reading, I swear to God, it just does something yeah. for me, it does. I yeah. used to go through a routine myself, because I bought Mike Tyson's book for me last week, I was planning to just read it on the plane, it's like, ah, I'll just get stuck into it before I went over. So I could wake up, go to Costa in the morning, have a coffee, it's probably the worst coffee out there, but I'd go to Costa <laughs> in the morning, have a coffee, read like a chapter of the book but boys the chapter of the book was about 40 50 pages so it's fucking bam 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 because i'd be trying at 11 like in the morning so i go there for nine i'd read a chapter in just under an hour and then i'd be i felt like because i love my tyson boys and just so i'd be reading the story and i'd be going to train and on smoke you know what i mean like, just because yeah. it motivates you hearing the hearing the troubles he went through and all that jazz but I find it hard to read at home with what's all going on. It's it's mad that I can go to Costa and read it with all the noise and all, but mm. feel when I'm at home, I just I can't sit down and read a book. It's mad, isn't it? Like it's probably too many. You probably have a PlayStation and a phone. Yeah, there's too much distractions. The dog hounding me to go out and a walk, and I'm like, <laughs> fuck off, let me read a book for a minute, you little bollocks. But uh, yeah, I think books are are a big one. I actually read a book um, called The Chimp Paradox. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's basically a mind management book, boys, and like honestly, it's like psychology for dummies. You know what I mean? And I read at a time where my mind was in a bit of turmoil and I didn't understand what way I was going on, like what way I was processing things or my emotions, didn't know how to deal with it and all. And it basically breaks it down in such a simple form that you can like, you can literally understand why you think the way you think. And it gives you scenarios in the book. Like, I'm gonna make, I can't remember the exact scenarios. I'm going to make it up. It's like, John goes to the shop. He does this. He should have done this, this, or this. And then he feels this way. So it kind of puts it all in perspective and why you feel the way you feel. But it breaks it down in the terms of your, your brain. It's the human, the chimp, the computer. And the human is like your rational side and all that jazz. The chimp is your irrational and emotional side. Yeah. The computer is your, just your, your subconscious, you know what I mean? And you, the, all the things we learn over our life, that's just progress 
programmed in us without us even have to do it. Like just like just walking and stuff like that. But it really made me realise like when the emotional and the chimp side of me was taken over my mind, if that makes yeah. sense, you know what I mean? Yeah. And why I was getting why would I, I would act out in certain situations because of certain triggers that happened in me childhood or things that like pissed me off or, or like as I was growing up, the things that kinda of got to me and I understood then I'm acting this way because this is—it's like basically the bad angel is trying to fucking talk me into re responding. Like uh, when I was able to understand that that's not my rational mind making these decisions, or because you know even all the bad decisions you make, the things you know you shouldn't be doing when you're acting the bollocks, and you're like, yeah, I'm just gonna do it anyway because I don't care. Like mm. that's when the rational side is kind of taken out of context, the chimp takes over, and I felt like there was a lot of my life where that chimp was in control. Do you know what I mean? And then when I learned that that's not because I, I I'd always feel guilty of things I used to do because I'd be so hard on myself, and then when I realised that you know that that's not really me, that's that's kind of like the bad voice taking over or whatever like that. When I learned to understand that and program myself to listen to me rational mind a bit better I feel like I honestly have like just went upwards in in mentality and attitude and just me the direction of my life just got a much more like uh, clearer path you know what I mean and just over one book boys it's mental like, I don't I even know when you read that book but I think you can clearly see that you're rising in uh, in your fights as yeah. well, like in your progression and yeah, yeah. it's like you started off a bit ropey and now look at you, like you've made serious progression. Yeah, so definitely. I like, don't know whether the book has any sort of play in that and changed your mindset with training and preparation. I, I like think that. it did because like I was at a point in my life where I didn't really know like what why things weren't going right for me, you know what I mean? I kept always like, ah, oh, poor me. You know what I mean? You blame everyone else sometimes when things aren't going right for you instead of facing yourself. And then I started to realise that most of the problems I was having were because of my actions, you know what I mean? And because of the way I was thinking and all that jazz. So when I read that book, it set me off on the right trend. I joined SBG and I kept the same principles that I've learned from the book. And since then, my life is just, like, I'm, I feel like I'm in more of control of my life than I ever have been. Like, and it's just over reading one book. Like, it's mental that someone who probably didn't know which, which way they were going to go in life or doubted their ways or whatever it is. Like, you read one book, you get the knowledge, you, you feel like you know everything then, in a sense. Yeah. Like, not in an arrogant way, but I felt like I was like, now I'm, I'm able to control my emotions and I understand myself a little bit better now, you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, I think psychology is a, a big part to play, especially in the modern athlete now. You know, when you listen to any any modern athlete who's had to say trying to start off the career in the last say maybe five years they all kind of speak similarly whereas if you compare that to someone 10 years ago it was all about getting in getting it done yeah. partying enjoying the money wherever whereas everything everything else was focus get the mindset right because you know that's such a big part to play and you know that's going to contribute to your longevity you know that's what's going to be a big factor in your success is is up here alright don't mind the tools is up here alright first and then you take it from there. Yeah, and at the start of my career, actually, I, I used to have, like, imposter syndrome at the start. Like, even in my amateur career, like, at the time, there was the best amateur fighter in Ireland. Like, and, and, like, I didn't... I, I just didn't see how I was. You know what I mean? I was like, how am I at the top of this? Like, I went to... I fought for Ireland in the World Championships. I got a silver medal, like, got to the final. And even when I got to the final, I was like, how am I here? Like, what, what is going on? Like, I just never actually believed in myself. Do you know what I mean? Even when I was winning, I never believed in myself. And, I, and then when I came home from the finals then, that I was only like down to say in, I was like, do you know what? You actually are all right. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, even at that, I wasn't even saying, I was, I was like, you're all right. Do you know what I mean? Like, keep, keep going. And But then, like, when I went pro then, I was trying to, balance uh, I was a manager in Aldi at the time and uh, trying to balance working in Aldi doing full shifts then the pro life on top of that it was just it was tricky it was tricky from going from the amateurs it was kind of like less serious but 
yeah, you, you go into the pros then, and it's uh, yeah, it's just a real step up in in intensity and mindset and everything. And I used to fight at sixty one kilos, and I used to kill myself to make the weight, and it just yeah, it just wasn't good. And uh, I'm grateful that I've went through what I went through because of all that, because I think everything happens for a reason. You know what I mean? But it wasn't a good time trying to balance the boat, like you know what I mean. Peg goes back to the start, Nathan. Yeah, because I'm fascinated by your story because as you said, there it was a period of time where you didn't really know what you were doing. You had imposter syndrome and. At the end of the day, you are just a normal lad from Finglas. That's the way you portray yourself, and that's exactly what you are. And now you're about to headline the Shea Arena for, yeah. for the PFL. Like and in terms of MMA, he's kind of gone down the alternate route. Yeah. 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 You haven't done the normal route, let's yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. I, I took a, a different route in, 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 some, in some people's opinions, but it got me to where I am today, so I'm, I'm happy. I would, I would like to think from the outside that it's paid off, or it's paying off. Yeah. But yeah, at the moment, it's clearly obvious. I took a gamble at the time, and for those who don't know, I'm fighting for PFL. And um, I took a gamble at the time because I had a fight. So, uh, just say it was January, John put in uh, your team chats, anyone want to fight for PFL? And I just put me down because I always put me down down for that. And I fight anyone, anywhere, any, like, any, just just stick me down and I'll, I'll put myself in. And I put my name down for it and uh, ended up fighting on Bellator then in the February. I just got a one fight deal and sold a good few tickets, had a good crowd, got a lot of mad things up in the in the top uh, stands, like with the noise of it. I was only the second you point. Well. have a mad crowd. Like that, they were actually mental. I walked out and I couldn't even hear my music. It was that loud, do you know what I mean? So, uh, but what walked out, uh, won the fight didn't get uh, another opportunity and I was like, you know what, I'm actually glad I didn't, you know what I mean? Because I just felt like there's a lot of lads from my team who fought for Bellator in the featherweight division and I was like, am I going to go this way and just be another SPG lad on Bellator or do I want to go somewhere else? And I ended up getting another fight then after that, four months later on a show called Centurion in Malta and we fought in this like mad fight. Part of I think told you yeah, about yeah. before, <laughs> fought Saint Elmo. Yeah. Boys, lethal. It was mental, it was, yeah. It was just in the middle of a, of a courtyard, basically, cage slapped down, but it was lovely in the open air. It was class and it was a good lot of us over, so it was class buzz, but won that one. But I was fighting on the Friday. I think John texted me on the Tuesday saying, John, I'm fighting PFL in four weeks. I was like, fuck, right, and, it was, you know what I mean? and he was like, right, go out and make short work of this fella, and we'll hopefully get that done for you. So I went out, boys, you want to check me out in the dressing room? It was like someone stabbed on my family to death. I was walking around like demented. I was, I was going into, like, I mean, kill this fella. Like, I was pure. Even after I won in like a minute and a half, and I was pacing around for 15 minutes, like a bleeding, possessed demon, you know what I mean? And then only if I won the last, I was like, would you calm down, man? He gave me like a, a local like lemon beer or something like that I ended up sipping on that and I was like right I'm, I'm chill now but I just felt like in that moment like right if I do this I'm, I'm starting my journey I'm starting my real journey because then I got the PFL five, four weeks later and yeah had me first fight at PFL in Cardiff in Wales I fought uh, the Welsh local lad so that's how you got to PFL to yeah. PFL yeah, right? yeah yeah so before we get there take us back to the start mate. Yeah. yeah so where are you from and what was life like growing up for you? Yeah, so I'm from uh, from Finglas, um, Finglas South. Um, yeah, lo- life was actually fairly normal for me growing up. Like a lot of people uh, in my family would have thought I would have had a bit more of an unlucky upbringing compared to maybe some of the others in my family. Like my bass split with my dad when I was young. I think I was only one and a half or whatever. So I lived with my nanny for six years. Um, and that was 
that was different, all right, because my dad wasn't in the picture. I'm living with my nanny. My ma was working, so I was kind of raised by my nanny for six years, but it was me, my ma, my nanny, my granddad, and my uncle. So we, we lived in the house together, and there used to be more altercations in the gaff than there probably should have been, you know what I mean? God bless me poor nanny. She used to have to deal with a lot, a lot of uh, shite growing up, but... Um, Oh, sorry, as I was growing up, but I would have had a fairly like normal childhood. I, I never at one point felt like I wasn't loved, you know what I mean? Like, I, I always knew I had a good family around me, but just some of the circumstances that were involved, it was tricky for me growing up because you know, my dad wasn't there and stuff like that. I, I always felt kind of felt like I was alone or, or else I was a little bit afraid or anxious of the world because I didn't have that like security. I never really saw my mom that often because she had to work Monday to Friday and. I never really saw me dad like every second week or whatever it was. So I was kind of in between both. My nanny used to kind of give me the hard love treatment, like sit up there and eat your dinner, fucking like, oh, she fed me, washed me. She did everything she needed to do for me. Um, and I'm very grateful for that. But that would have been more or less me, my young childhood. Um, my ma got with me stepdad in when I was like three or four. And he came onto the scene, so that was a big boost for me to have like a male figure always kind of around. Well, he's a barman, so he was around when he when he could be. He walks long hours, but he was young. He was he was like I always saw him as cool. Do you know what I mean? Because he was young, he'd wear tracksuits and all. I felt like he was like a cool guy. You know what I mean? So I was kind of grateful for his uh, his involvement in my life. Young, he tried to get me into football then, and uh, yeah, like played football for a while. Wasn't really great at it, you know what I mean, and, and uh, I was the hardest walker boys in training, you know what I mean, I always had the perfect attitude to go training, and I wouldn't be getting started because maybe I wasn't as good as some of the other lads, which is fair, but uh, when that started happening, I started to lose a little bit of confidence in myself growing up, and I think then uh, you add some of the stuff that went on with my family, like, because I, I literally I used to always be on edge as a kid, and I felt like no matter what position I was in, I'd always be watching, like, Megan, are, always trying to are they going to kick off or what's going to happen now? And I used to always be on edge. And I think because of that, I just had a bad, like, on top of me already anxious mind and, you know, all that stuff that was building up. And then you have your, your family problems. I felt like this is just mental to me growing up, do you know what I mean? And I always just felt scared growing up as a kid, which is funny because I'm fighting now and the way it works out in the end. But I think because I was so uh, frightened as a kid and all that jazz, when I, when I saw kind of MMA and stuff, I always felt like, right, this is what I'm going to do that's going to make me feel confident in myself or whatever like that. Because I was 13 years old when I started. I was only bleeding 42 kilos and I was like five foot, you know what I mean? I was a little fart, you know what I mean? combat sports does better than anything. It instills that confidence into you because a lot of kids would have grew up in a similar household, you know, where we're from. Yeah. And uh, combat sports instills that confidence into you and it kind of releases that fear. You're not always afraid because I think like in a household like that, you're always anxious, you're always wary of what's going on around you. And as you get a little bit older then, I think combat sports is a very natural route to go there. Just to learn to defend yourself yeah. and have that bit of confidence and discipline in yourself then. And I don't know, I just feel like it's a very natural route for people to go where we're from. I wish more people did it, boys, because like it's one of the sports where, like, let's take even MMA out of it, because a lot of people don't only punch in the face, which is completely understandable, but just even jiu-jitsu, it's like human chest, like, and it's so, like, not where you say you're reading, you feel like you're meditating. When you are doing jiu-jitsu, you're so present. Because the difference between you being present and not being present is some fella strangling you or some fella crushing the face off you with his shoulder. So it's something that always made me feel real present. And then ultimately then over the course of time, like you're learning how to defend yourself, you're getting confident in yourself. But yeah, I, I wish more people understood because like, a lot of people are maybe are 
a bit foreign to it or stuff like that. But just doing like, especially jujitsu, it's just I don't know. It's I'm obviously gonna be pushing it a lot because I do it. But like, I wish more kids did well, it. You're doing it for a reason. It's not like as if you're doing it and you fucking you hate it, you love it. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. And a lot of people love it, and I feel like it's a stone age mentality to hate it. People see a bit of blood sometimes, and they go, "Ah, oh, disgusting, yeah, yeah. horrible." And you're like, but it's actually so much skill involved and so much discipline, like I said, like, you know yeah. what I mean? And there's so many more benefits than there is, like, what's the other word to that? What's the opposite to that? So Negative, negatives, yeah. Negatives. Yeah, so many more benefits than negatives. Like, I, yeah, combat sport. I, I think if you look at anyone who does jiu-jitsu, like, they're mentally sound. They won't go attacking someone, you know what I mean? Because they have the knowledge to do it. They have the knowledge of how to do it. Now, obviously, there's some mad people out there that you probably don't want to be teaching how to strangle someone, you know what I mean? Because they can, be bad. <laughs> they can go out and do some serious damage. Now you get a bleeding looper in, like, and you're kind of like, right, I don't know if I want to teach this fella how to, like, well, strangle people. is what you're saying. 99% yeah. of people are pretty sound. Like, yeah, like, I mean? and obviously, in sports, you're going to have egos, but I feel like it's a fairly egoless sport where like everyone kind of just respects the way the martial art and if you win a competition great if you lose a competition who cares like it's just the spirit it's the vibe we're all living the way of the life but I, I really wish and I don't know if you are into jiu-jitsu or, 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 I know you did the, the alter thing and stuff like that but if you could just get into it for maybe a month and learn the basics and put some pieces together I think well I'll tell you what there's a huge issue with Nathan, yeah, with jiu-jitsu it's the fucking price of jiu-jitsu yeah that is a huge issue in this country surely yeah. it's a, the availability though isn't it like, obviously there's not enough of it going on so they can the price regardless boys yeah. like my little cousins at the start in jiu-jitsu boys 180 quid I believe month or something like that it is boys like that is fucking mental money yeah. for a kid to be there. like I'm on here every poxy week trying to promote combat sports and sports and the benefits of jiu-jitsu and boxing and this and that and then you're saying, yeah, put your kids in jiu-jitsu and then there's people like 180 euro a month or 160 a month or yeah. even 100 a month, I think, is a bit hefty. Like, for a bleeding 15, 16-year-old to be doing jiu-jitsu, I think that's fucking Yeah, mental. see, it is. I think it's just, like, it's not even about the jiu-jitsu. I think it's just, like, the rent and everything nowadays. It's just, got, it's well, like, it's actually going up. But Look, I remember when we were kids, we'd be all in boxing. You'd give two euro subs. Yeah, you yeah, two quid and you're, and you're, you're sorted. Yeah, like, sorted, two euro subs. Yeah, yeah. Now you're talking 180 quid. <laughs> Yeah. Did it one session? Yeah. <laughs> but I think there is. It's down to like because jiu jitsu in Ireland there is a new thing. Like it's there is going around years, but we haven't specialised in it. Yeah. yeah, and all the high level coaches, not enough of them. Yeah, you know I mean, whereas like if you went to most towns in Ireland have a boxing gym. Yeah, you know things like this. It's definitely down to the availability. Yeah, and the it's price of it, like it's more like watered down boxing now. You can kind of have coaches who maybe aren't as good and they're doing their bits and charging yeah. less. But my jiu jitsu club, the one I started in, would have been uh, it's fairly cheap. I think it's like sixty five or seventy quid a month for kids like which is good and they get to train three four times a week depending on their age or whatever like that but yeah it's just i think it's just a modern day that we're in boys just the prices yeah. of everything is oh, just a bit. And, and even like like me like just paying for training like fortunately i'm in a position where i can and i'm grateful that i can pay for training and stuff like that but like there was a point in time where like i wasn't making so much money when i left the job now and i was kind of like, like how am i gonna do this like what like because i obviously i didn't have any big contracts or anything like that you know kind of just tipping boy but for those who actually are maybe on they have kids and they're on welfare they have their kids and the kids are mad at do jiu-jitsu you know what I mean I actually in the future I plan on doing something for jiu-jitsu when I finish my career I'd love to get have an idea of it and all boys from like corners to champions you know what I mean that's the kind of logo I have we'll get lads off corners and get them into the gym and, and hopefully 
bring in the next wave of champions in the future. It's something I want to do when I'm when I'm much older and, and when I'm done. But that's an idea I always had, and make sure it's affordable for all the like you said, the lads who maybe can't afford it and stuff I like think that. That is unbelievable. That they've cornered the champions. Yeah, that that, that's the that's the the one I have in my head. So if all goes well in the career and I'm in the good position uh, in a few years time to do it, that's that's what I'm gonna do. 100. percent That's getting stroked. That's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have to bleed it. and put the pat yeah. on it. I mean, He's I gonna be too busy fighting. Then it's gonna be like right. <laughs> What force introduced you to MMA? Because you said you started at 14. So. Yeah, so it was funny, boys, because I was a mad gamer as a kid, yeah. Mm. And it's mad funny because my dad, my, sorry, my stepdad showed me MMA years ago because I was mad into WWE, you know what I mean? Mad into it. Like, I wouldn't shut up talking about WWE. I used to do everyone's head in talking about John Cena and all that, I mean, but. Uh, so obviously Brock Lesnar joins MMA and that kind of sparked me curiosity but my dad showed me stepdad showed me a fight years ago uh, I think it was a cage warrior or something like that I mean years ago in the big yellow gloves two lads fighting I was like nah I don't like it just because I was mad into WWE and I was like nah I didn't want to give him any satisfaction of me liking something that he yeah. showed me you know what I mean because I was mad petty <laughs> but then yeah mad into the game and then the UFC 2009 game came out and uh I was like Brock Lesnar was on the cover of it, whatever it was, or maybe he wasn't even members on silver. It doesn't really matter. But fucking bought the game, sussed it out, and obviously you have to create a fight. I'm all where you create your, your fighter and you you bring him through from the bottom to the top, and there was like things in the training that you could do that I was like, because I never really knew about jiu-jitsu as much, and then when you're making your player better, you can do the moves and you learn, you control the analog and you teach your own player how to do the moves as part of the game. And then when I started to see the jiu-jitsu side of it, I was like. I'd be into that, you know what I mean? Because I was mad into, like, I used to always just have takedown matches off my mates on the green and all outside my gaff. Like, last person left wins and, uh, like, like king of the ring, essentially. So, just kept having takedown matches and all that jazz. And I, I was mad curious. And then, in the game then, there was, like, clips of, like, John the Ultimate Fighter. I don't know if you remember, if you've ever watched it, but the first ever Ultimate Fighter with Forrest Griffin and Stephen Bonner when they have a pure, like, war of a fight and I guess the UFC kind of popping and stuff like that. I watched that fight and I was just like, I have to do this. You know what I mean? There's not, I have to try this. Like, and I knew I had the mindset. Obviously, I was coming to the end of this football and stuff. And I knew I had the mindset that I had in the football that even though I wasn't working out for me, if I could bring this mindset over to fighting, this discipline, this consistency, I was always at training. And if I applied myself in this, I knew I could be something with myself. Do you know what I mean? I knew just all it takes is to keep showing up. And it's funny, I had just had my last game of football on the Saturday and I took a good boy of convincing for me man to do it and luckily for me my cousin's fella trained in the club and he was like look it's grand Mel you know what I mean you don't have to worry he's not going to get punched in the face and blah 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 I only got braces and all at the time you know what I mean things like that me man little mammy's boy you know what I mean so she gave me the go ahead then I think I played it was like a midweek match on a Tuesday I joined MMA then the next Tuesday and my first session was actually a Muay Thai session. I went for jiu-jitsu and I done the Muay Thai session, hitting the pads, elbows and now all that. And I literally made that decision on that day. I was like, I'm doing this for the rest of my life. And I'm like, I said to myself, I'm going to be a world champion. And since then, like, obviously you have dips in the road in your career and all that jazz. But for the most part of my teenage years, I was just didn't care about anything else. Literally did not care about anything else. Didn't care about school, didn't care about my personal life, didn't care this was what I wanted to do. And I think some of the stuff that was going on in my family life and stuff like that, I was so oblivious to it or else I didn't care enough because this is what I was doing that I was kind of almost blocking it all away. And then when I got older then some of the emotions and stuff that I was blocking away came back then when I kind of hit my early teens, I mean late teens, sorry, I was becoming more of a man and 
then I was like, I was more conscious in my mind that oh shit, all this stuff's going on and stuff like that. And you're finishing school, the leaving cert, pressure, and I was literally doing great with my career. Like I really my career, I was only really a teenager, but competing jiu-jitsu and doing uh, like K1 demos, and I had my first amateur fight then at 17. I fought a lad up, uh, he was like 20 odd, you know what I mean? Had that fight or won. And it was like, it's just like that feeling, but like, I got that feeling of winning the first MMA fight. And I was like, oh, I can't even compare the high boys. It's too hard to even explain. Like, and only fighters are kind of know, it's like when you get in and have a fight and you get the win, the fit, like after all the years of hard work, after all that, like it's just, it's like chasing the dragon. You know what I mean? You're constantly chasing that that feeling. That's what I think then is gets you so hooked on the journey. But uh, I'll never forget that all the build up from me, me young teens, put in all the work. It was, wasn't even one bit nervous for me first fight. You know, I was fighting a fellow well older than me. Had the first fight and then it was then I was like, yeah, this is what I want to keep doing all of my life. Do you know what I mean? So it was, it's cool. But um, you mentioned skill there, yeah. Yeah. Did you stay in skill and finish skill? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I finished skill like only because like my man would have slapped that off me like if I, if I had a left. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, I, I stayed in skill. I actually liked. I didn't like skill, but I loved the buzz with my mates. Do you know what I mean? Mm. We were messing cunts. Do you know what I mean? We all we did was mess. Like so, it was actually. It was actually like a joy in some ways to go to school because I had a great set of mates, you know what I mean? And we just, none of us took it serious. We just blackguarded our way through school and, and just made the most of the buzz and our, and our kind of last few years together as, as mates in all this one environment where we, before we start going off working and doing our own thing. So I, I love school for that, but... I don't know, like, maybe it's fucking ADHD or whatever, but I just could not focus on skill. I'd literally, I'd be, only if I had a real interest in, like, if I was learning something in history or something like that, that I was, I was actually interested in and I wanted to hear, I'd be bet into it, but otherwise I'm just like, bah, bah, do you know what I mean, looking around or else asleep. Literally, I was either sleeping or else I was just daydreaming. Like, mm. like I used to always visualise, like, my future in skill, like, winning fights, winning championships. Like, that's all I thought about was fighting in them years. I used to be in skill, just visualising me, like, achieving me what I want to achieve. But uh, I always say to the boys, like, I'd love to go back to skill for a week just just to have the buzz, <laughs> you know what I mean? Week. Like, that'd be enough for me, you know what I mean? Uh, even, I remember, boys, it was early leaving cert year, right? And I think it was the week before the leaving cert. This is how stupid we were, yeah? Like, so, we went in out of our own accord, yeah, to do extra biology class. Classes. We went in and just did, and we just started explaining each other with taps and all. The teacher was just there going, Are you was actually for real? You was, it's like, you was, you didn't have to be here today. You was came in here and he's like, just messing, like, what's yeah. wrong with this? And we're just like, ah, we're just trying to cling on to all these last few days before we have to go off and do our <laughs> own thing. But yeah, just skill was, skill wasn't, I knew I wanted to be a fighter, so. I had no care whether I did well or not, but... So college wasn't even an option then, or not? Oh, nah, I, I would have started being more keen on making money for myself as opposed to to going to educate myself. Because I knew I wanted to fight, I just needed to have... I knew what I wanted to do with my life, I just needed to have a, a bit of money to help me do that. Mm. Started working in like warehouses and all, <sighs> not for me, you know what I mean? And then luckily, one of the lads I trained with was a manager in Aldi, he got me in then, I worked out in Aldi in East Wall for a few years and went around to a few other spots but it's just yeah college was never ne not never gonna be for me like and what was it like growing up in Finglas for you yeah growing up in Finglas what was Finglas like like were you ever it was grand like it wasn't like obviously it has a bad reputation as most areas do but for me I loved it do you know what I mean we had the five sides five minutes away from my gaff like do you know what I mean yeah. walk up there with a football Monday to Friday we just play football all, all day like, do you know what I mean like mm -hmm. I had a lovely green outside my house. Me money made that I would bring out the goal. We played football all day. Like it was just it was it was grand. Like 
obviously sometimes you're in the areas like us though like Finglas and town and stuff like that it's, sometimes it's hard to avoid trouble do you know yeah. what I mean I saw a lot of trouble growing up you know what I mean and, yeah. but I was always like that I was always afraid I was always afraid yeah. of conflict boys so I think I was that much of a little bitch that I used to always just save myself from being around all that stuff you know what I mean but where my dad's from, it's a bit of a dive of an estate, so I kind of saw firsthand what way I didn't want to kind of go. Like, obviously, I was smart enough as a kid to know, right, that's not what, like, these people are, like, their, their ideology in life and the way they're living their life is, I don't want to be like this. Because I felt like my ma was always raising me to be a really decent fella, you know what I mean? Mm. She she would hate me if I'd done that and out of order. So I feel like I always owed it to my ma to not be the, the lad that she would have feared me to be, yeah. you know what I mean? And... But ultimately as well, I had a great set of mates, you know what I mean? And none of them are like bad, bad fuckers or anything. They're, all the lads are sound, good, like well-behaved lads and come from respectful parents. And then my ma always says it like she's chuffed that I have the mates I have because if I was in with a different group and because I was kind of scared, I probably would have just followed the leader. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and just done whatever. Like, And that's why always, everything happens for a reason. I'm probably blessed that I, I met the group of mates that I have, you know what I mean? Because all the lads are, are legends, you know what I mean? Mm. But uh, other than that, Fingers was grand. Like, obviously, same as, it, you know, as I said, I was a family earlier where a lot of bad can outweigh the good mm. and stuff like that. But I feel like there is a lot of good people in Finglas and most of my mates and the families are all really, really decent people. Like, obviously, you have lads selling drugs and doing whatever, which I'll probably get into in, in a minute in another round of way. But it's it's just knowing who's right to be in your circle and, and, and keeping them there and don't, don't lose them over the years. But like I said, grateful to have the mates I have and grateful to have you know, the loving family that I have. So I think that mix and along with the gym kept me from going on down the wrong direction because I feel like if I didn't have this support network that I have and this I didn't go this route that I have because I was so afraid and maybe easily led, I probably would have just done whatever the rest of the boys were doing. Yeah, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for that, yeah. Mm. So you had your first amateur fight at 17, yeah? Yeah. What comes next after that then? Obviously you're on a high after a win like that. Yeah, so I just kept rocking out the fights. Uh, I was looking at me, me coach Barry at the time who I started with he was like, he, he wouldn't just give me easy fights to build me record. He always gave me the hard fights. I won my first two uh, fights. And I fought, actually, it was my teammate now, Richie Smullen. I fought him then. I was walking around thinking I was all this. Fought, fighting down there in Zoyland, English, you know what I mean? The local, I have all the family there. Walking around, and Richie's bigger and stronger and a better grappler than me at the time. And I, I fought, like, even after he was like, Jace, man, you're tough. I, I went to a decision with him because he would have finished everyone else, but got me first loss. Dusted myself off, got back in. I ended up going to, I think I won another two fights maybe, but ended up getting a big uh, fight for a show called Battle Zone, which would have been a big amateur show at the time, run by Andy Ryan from Team Rhino. And I was fighting a lad called Ian Clarity. He was 30 odd, I was only 18. So it was like a big step up and like you're fighting, this, this makes you the best fighter in Ireland at the weight, you know what I mean? So I went out, I bet him by decision. And then from there, End up progressing to the World Championships, the IMAS within Las Vegas. So, represented Ireland. Loads of us went over. It was actually some trip. Got to the final. Had five fights. So, bet, uh, South African in the first fight, Triangle. Then I bet a Canadian in the second fight, TKO. I fought uh, a from Sweden then. He was my toughest fight in it. Bar the final. He was a very good fighter. Uh, bet him by decision. Fought my Irish teammate in the semi-final, which we would have loved to fight in the final. Obviously, mm. it was England versus England and Ireland versus Ireland. I don't know why they done it that way, but... Uh, Fought him, I bet him by Iron Triangle then in the second round, went to the final and I had a torn rotate, I could fighting in the final. It was uh, it was agony boys, I couldn't even, we, we fought on the Friday, had Saturday off, final was Sunday. 
and I couldn't lift my arm at all. I was walking around, I was in the pool, I couldn't even swing my arm around in the pool. Had to get my coach to like fucking try loosen out in whatever way I could. But uh, funny enough, they do like medical checks every morning, yeah. So you had to lift your arms up, do what, lift your knees, squat. The only time they didn't do the arm on was the Sunday of my final fight. Because I was walking down going, they're not going to let me fight. I'm going to have to do this, just lift your arm up and all that jazz. And they're going to see that I can't do it. So I was, I was shit myself going down. I was like, I was borderline, on, on, like had tears in my eyes going down because I knew, I felt like they were just really going to let me fight. And they ended up not doing it. I ran back down the room, I was shoved. I was like, yes, we're in. They didn't do it, so... Fought the final. I gave a good account of myself considering the injury. I couldn't even warm up, boys. I went in stone cold, you know what I mean? Because I just couldn't warm up. I was in that much pain. I got went in. My coach gave me a clatter in the face. I, I was like, now we go, you know what I mean? And fucking bit down and, and, and just about grounded out. But came home from then, silver medalist. Started to feel a bit more confident in myself. Ended up getting two more fights and I won them. And then it was like, right, let's go pro. So pro so day. What year is this now that you turned over? <sighs> what? 2017. And how many amateur fights you on there? I had 13 amateur fights, so it was 10 wins, 3 losses. That's not a lot, really. Nah, nah, but when you consider the level of opponent I fought, I always fought the best in Ireland. Yeah. Then I went to the IMS, fought the best in the world. I came home from the IMS, fought Kieran Clark. In fairness, in MMA, they don't usually have, there's not usually people with a lot of amateur fights. It's not like boxing. No. With boxing, people can have 80 hundreds. amateur fights, no, 90 or 100, yeah. Hundreds, hundreds. Do you know what yeah, I mean? I like, think that's the way it should be, boys. Well, I, was talking, I was talking like minimum there, like 70, 80, 90 yeah. amateur fights. Like, where yeah. in MMA, I see a lot of people turning over with like fucking... Five wins, five losses. They usually something. have like what the they fuck? They usually have a background in like kickboxing, something. Yeah, yeah. And then they go yeah. into that. You know what I mean? So, like, boy, a record on paper, you sound a bit wet behind the ears. Yeah. But yeah. As you said, they are finding the best, the best that's out there. Yeah, like. So well, what did you say? You fought Kieran Clark. I fought Kieran Clark then when I came back, and that was for the title. We were like the best, same as again, the best in Ireland going at it, and I bet Kieran by decision. And then after that. Must have been a good grappling match, was it? I was all grappling, yeah, it was yeah. all grappling in fairness. <laughs> Fella hates round digs. Yeah, like, in, fair, <laughs> those. in fairness, I wasn't the best striker at the time. Till was, till was like, just throwing straight one, two was, I was like, I was clocking him and he was clocking me because we had no skills and like, our head moving, no nothing, you know what I mean? And he caught me one, till I was like, fuck this, I'm taking this fella down to the ground. So it was uh, more of a grappling match, but Kieran's a serious old grappler, as you know. Kieran's so. an animal, but yeah. he just needs, Kieran needs an old smack to wake yeah. up, doesn't he? Yeah, he like, sound punches. Though. He just toy anyone up though. He he's, he's, so, he's so Little. good, boys. It's not even funny. I, I love trying to him and he's winning that fight was like fuck Jesus, that's a big one for me. And um Kieran Classy is always now he asked him after how he felt. He's like, Well, I just lost to the best fighter in Ireland, so I can't really complain. And when he said that then I was like, Fuck, I, I'm starting to get into the confidence that I should have. I fought a lad called Jack McGuire then, and that was a controversial, he took me down and he kind of spiked me a little bit, but he didn't properly spike me. I took me head the same, at the right time and referee DQ'd him for like an illegal slam. So it was a bit frustrating for him, but it is what it is. So yeah, then I would have turned pro and getting into that, I was like proper hyper focused, but I done it all wrong, boys. I was fighting at 61 kg and I don't know what came across my mind to go ketogenic for, and carbless for, for like six weeks while working in Aldi, it was just... No energy. Boys, like, my manager, I remember when my manager at the time was in for a 6am shift. This Saturday, I say, like, two sessions on a Monday, carbless, low on energy. I'm going to bed at 
12, 1 at night by the time I fall asleep. And then I'm up at half or five, I walk at six. And then and Aldi boys, it's hard work. You're slugging stuff around from start of the shift to the end of the shift. There's not much like leeway in, in activity. And I remember one of the managers at the time just looked at me and was like, Nate, are you all right? Like, and I was like, yeah, I'm grand, I'm grand. But like, like that soaked in and walking around lifeless. And uh, funnily enough, then end up going into the fight, gets rocked with a spinning back elbow in the first 10 seconds. Your man collared me with a highlight reel. One boys, I have to give him his props, but just didn't recover. Now I end up, he hit me with it. I got back up somehow, didn't know where I was. I end up taking his back. I was on his back somehow. I took him, got him against the fence, took him down, took his back twice. And I'm an animal from there, but I was on his back just like, like days, didn't know what was going on. He ended up getting off and dropped me again, TKO'd me. First time I ever, only time I've ever been finished in my career. So that just, I took that very hard. And uh, I think then at the time, you know, I was, I didn't know how to, like that. I was at a point where I didn't really know how to deal with my emotions because there's a lot of build-up that goes into your careers, boys, yeah? So it's obviously you put in your work and then you go pro, it has to be perfect. And that's this mentality that it has to be perfect. You want to go undefeated, the whole undefeated mentality. And I used to put so much pressure on myself to be an undefeated animal. I'm going to, go six, no, I'm going to do this, I'm going to go UFC, and blah, all these ideas I had, and I lose my first fight, first time I've ever been finished in my pro debut, it, it was a smack of reality in the face, boys, and it was something that I'll, I'll never forget, because I'll never forget how bad I felt after, and like that, I lose that feeling sorry for myself, end up going out then with the boys, you know what I mean, you're going out partying, fucking going on, on the bleeding patsy and all, just, just looking for escapes out of, me, out of me reality, and I was almost running from the reality I should have been facing, because I didn't know how to deal with these emotions, and then suddenly then I'm just going downhill and downhill and downhill, and start going out more, and this is from someone who was just strict all the time, now don't get me wrong, I used to go out with the boys every now and then, and like I'd act the bollocks or whatever, but like I had to go control of it, and then after that then, I think then I just spoiled, plummeted, we'll say, and went in the wrong direction. And uh, yeah, just fucking end up going out, been flat out then partying, and suddenly get another fight. Uh, get a fight announced then for the next year against Pavel, who's also my teammate now. I fought bleeding half my fucking team. And fucking uh, fought him in the tree arena, first time I've ever been there. Lost by split decision. And then same again. I was just that close to winning, you know what I mean? Same again. Killed myself in the way court. Didn't do it right. So you're all on tail now? Yeah, all on tail. Just, like, embarrassed. Embarrassed, like, as a fighter, you know what I mean? For someone who had such a good amateur, like, record and all that jazz, someone who who finally felt like they had the confidence to, to pursue this dream, to go all on tail in your career, it was just, it was heartbreaking for me. And like that again, going back out with the lads and... Drowning me sorrows in a session, and you know, the stability I needed to have in my mind to chase this career, I was just going in the complete opposite direction when you're going out and, and partying with the boys. And I felt like every time I did it, then the guilt would set in, and I'd start to feel more into myself, and I'd be giving out to myself. But instead of me actually fixing myself, I got back out again, you know yeah, what I mean? And got back out worse. again, and could make myself worse. And like, like, like this whole thing, I remember you were talking about it with uh, one of the last, the last time. Um, and he was saying that, you know, you have this delusion of yourself that, oh, I'm grand, I'm grand, like, do you know what I mean? I'm going out here, I, I can control this, blah, 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 I'm grand. And then suddenly, yeah, just your mental health's declining more and more. And you're like, no, I'm grand, I'm grand, I can stop this whenever I want. And then you can't stop it whenever you want. And then it's, then when you, you start to realise then, oh, shit, this, well, for me personally, I was like, oh, shit, this is more of a problem than I think, do you know what I mean? But I ended up getting myself kind of somewhat back on track. I was like, right, I'm going to move up a weight class. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get strong. 
won, won me, me next fight then. So after my first fight, I fell away. And then at the time, then my coach at the time, Barry, who was a big role model in my life, where I had, he basically treated me like his own son, you know what I mean? Doing everything for me I could have asked for. He decided then, because I was kind of in and out of training, not taking it serious. And he was kind of, I was like his only, his only fighter and blah, blah, blah. And, he then decided that, look, he didn't want to deal with the stress of doing all this with the... Because MMA is hard work, boys. A lot of behind-the-scenes work and managing fighters and all a that jazz. A hours in it as well. Yeah, and I was getting frustrated because I wasn't getting some opportunities that I wanted. But in, the, in retrospect, I was one and two. So I, obviously, I'm not going to get the opportunities I have in my head. Delusion, as you say. But So he'd stop coaching me then. And then from there, I was like, right, I'm going to take a break myself. I'm just going to focus on my jiu-jitsu. But not having the discipline from fighting, then just, boom, back downhill again, you know what I mean? And now, looking back, obviously, I was thinking, because if I kept doing jiu-jitsu, even though I was not competitive, I didn't have to be a certain way. I was just rocking up and training, just doing me day-to-day, and started going out with the boys again, you know what I mean? And then uh, that that's when it just get went, like, in my perspective, just, like, out of control, you know what I mean? Because, like, I wasn't fighting. I didn't have a big event coming up that was making me anxious to train for or nothing like that, so started to go back downhill again and started to fucking, yeah, just be abusive on it then, you know what I mean? Especially on the patsy. And, uh, yeah, just went downhill, bad psychotic kind of states and paranoia setting in and thinking everyone's out to get me, thinking my mates don't really like me, you know, all this stuff. And just felt like everyone was setting me up or somewhere, you know what I mean? Even though it wasn't even, I was, all my mates loved me, my family loved me. I felt like everyone was out to get me. And it was just downhill. COVID comes around then and just whatever I was going through just multiplied by 10 then because I was working in Aldi obviously doing flat out hours because it's supermarkets where they like the only thing is kind of really open so you were still working in Aldi even after three professional fights yeah yeah I was, I was working in Aldi up until like my fifth or sixth professional fight I left after the Bellator one think I went far into it so six yeah but I was working in Aldi all, all this time and you know you come home like my mommy around 18 my mommy stepped out broke up and that was a big event for me. I think that's why I start like subconsciously start dabbling with, with drugs and yeah, stuff like that. Because yeah. it was like, oh, I'm, I'm looking for an escape. My mates are doing it. Let's just do it. So I end up dabbling in there. But at that time, the tension in the gaff and Jordan Covey, you go to work. I'm doing, I used to stay longer in work because I just didn't want to go home. Mm. You know what I mean? This is, I'm in my 20s. I shouldn't even be feeling this way. I just didn't, I wanted to avoid going home. And then long day in work, you're stressed, you come home and you can walk in the door, you can feel the tension, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I felt like there was never a, a stress-free environment for me because I was stressed in work and then I come home, I couldn't, there was no training going on. Obviously all the gyms were closed, yeah. I was up to my neck in 5Ks, but obviously they were, they weren't doing as good for me as I thought maybe they should have, but uh, so that was very stressful for me. And then what do you do again when you're feeling sorry for yourself? You go back out heavy on it, you know what I mean? And I just kept, I kept always going back to, to abusing drugs, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now, looking at it, obviously, I didn't like that. I read the book that I was talking about earlier on. I didn't know how to control my mind. I didn't know how to control all these things. And when I actually felt like I got a bit of maturity in myself to start like reflecting inwards, I started to get better then. But it took a lot, a lot of psychosis and delusion for me to realise that one night I was sitting there in my room. And I'll never forget it, boys. I was sitting there in the room. And uh, like I used to be like locking myself in the room and just like being sketched and all like just stupid shit. And one day I was just, it was like it all weighed in on me and I was just, I just felt fed up and I just started bawling, crying to myself. And I just said, oh, what's the even point in being, being on earth if I'm just going to keep fitting this way, you know what I mean? And I just, I felt like there's no way I can come out of this hole that I'm in. I've tried this many times and I just can't get out of it and I'm not feeling good emotionally. I'm in a job I don't like, I'm 
I'm sorry, in a household that I just don't feel comfortable in. And there's a point where I was like, I might as well just fucking end it. And then it was like, it was like I had that thought and then I got a clatter off someone up there or whatever it is. Maybe it was me conscience coming in and give me a kick up the hole. And I just got a fright and I was like, man, what the fuck? I'm like, at the time, 23, 24, I was like, I should not be feeling this way. I should not be going through these emotions. Like, what the fuck is wrong? And then I end up really, really delving into self-help and looking after my mind and stuff like that. And like, thankfully... And I'll always bring it back to I'm not, I'm not sorry for how my life went at all because it, it, it character builds you into the person you want to be. So I end up getting myself back on track slowly but surely. It was a day-by-day process. Now, and I listened, when you start doing the podcast, I would, used to be listening to a lot of lads for that help that maybe I wasn't getting like from books or maybe people that weren't given to me in the air. So I actually relied on a lot of the guests you've had in your podcast to help give me the tools then to learn. And over the years then I've been just tapping away. And yeah, then... I remember one day, anyway, I was kind of still on and off drinking. And I, was, I, and I hate drinking in my gaff, boys. And I was drinking, in, I think it was now in the gaff, and I was drinking by my own, drinking whiskey in my own, fucking locked and all, and feeling sorry for myself. And I just, I remember I just texted John Cavanaugh one of the days. So I just, I was like this, I was like, John, I know how I'm going to get out of this. I'm going to get back to MMA. You know, one of these great ideas you have. But then I text John, and he's like, yeah, come down at this time. And then it was like, once I texted him, it was like, Already, I got butterflies and all, you know what I mean? I was, I was like, it was like I was almost kind of scared myself into, will I make this jump? So it took me a little while to actually take the jump to go to SPG because it was such a, like, a well-established club and I'd been doing fuck all with myself, bar drinking and doing hoover, you know what I mean? So it was just not, wasn't wasn't good. And I ended up uh, coming down one of the days and obviously I fought half the bleeding team. So when I walked in, the lads, I couldn't believe to see me, you know what I mean? And then it was like, just from day one, I just went, yeah, I feel at home here. Yeah. And I really, really did make the the commitment to to bettering myself and, and, and just going all in on this because, like I said, if you don't go all in, you'll never really know. And I didn't want to be like some lad who was sitting at a bar when he was older saying, I could have been this, I could have been that, if I just stared off this instead of that, you know what I mean? Giving all the young lads giving all out. the young lads the wisdom that I should have had. And I yeah. didn't want to be that fella. I want to be the fella who who done it, achieved it, and, and is actually saying it from a, an actual matter of experience, you know what I mean? Mm. And then I was like, nah, I don't want to be that lad. And I've, I end up, a lot of meditation, a lot of like reading, learning, how to change me habits, read atomic habits, all that jazz, like just little tips. And yeah, here I am now, boys. I turned it all around. And So you're one and two when you walk back into SBG. What's the game plan there? Initially, when I when I joined SPG, I was like, right, I want to get straight away fighting because I was mad eager to prove myself to everyone on the team and to yeah. John and to Dave. And uh, I got onto the team, but... I ended up just training for a year straight before getting a fight or anything like that. And it was the best thing I actually could have done, boys, because I had a year to settle into the team, a year to learn about myself, my style. And for me, my goal as a mixed martial artist is to be the most complete mixed martial artist I can be. Yeah, So I was a black belt in jiu-jitsu around this time. I only got me a black belt, I was 23. And... I was considering myself grappling heavy fighter. Most of my fights, I'd just panic from the... I'd be afraid of getting a smack. I'd just close my eyes and double legs someone, you know what I mean? And tighten down and beat them on the ground. But when I joined SPG, I was like, right, when you get to the, to a high level, the margins are too fine for you to just be good in one area. So I made a lot of dedication to bringing me striking up to a certain level. And over that year period, I, I put like sick amount of hours into striking, boxing, footwork and adding kicks to me game and all that stuff as well as doing me, me grappling but I trained for that year then and I got in and I fought uh, eventually got a, 
this man I still obviously working, but it was like New Year's. I, I actually had COVID at the time, yeah, and uh, I got told I was gonna have a fight in the May, say, and got COVID out the back skipping. I mean, me lung falling out, me hold on, I mean, and, and I was just dedicated. End up getting the fight, and then because there was more COVID restrictions, the fight I was meant to have got pushed back a week. Yeah, and I was man like obviously at this time I was a manager at Aldi, and I took the time off the fight, and then they moved it back a week later, and I couldn't get the next week off. So I had the first time I ever pulled out of a fight, and not because of injury, not because of nothing, because of walk. Just to walk. That and I was pissed man. off. I was yeah. So I was like, this can never happen again. But they end up getting me a fight for that was in the May, say, and then they get me a fight for the July against a lad called Roger Lopez and gone in, end up KOing him in nine seconds. And that was like the I hit the ground running then. Like, you know what I mean? I was like, right, let's fucking go. I end up getting another fight then, a bit of a more of a controversial one. I fought uh, a lad called Shem, Shem Rock, and uh, there was a good story between us two because we trained together in SBG and he was in a club called DCA with uh, Craig Coakley and Collie Matten, which I was training in as well. I was going from SBG in there as well. And I remember rocking up to DCA before uh, one of the days and he was there and I was like, what the, f- what the fuck are you here for? Like, and he told me the story. He wasn't in SBG anymore and blah, blah, blah. But it's funny because I fought Roger and then after that, they were trying to get me to fight Shem. And I was like, look, lads, I train with a bit of a conflict of interest, you know what I mean? We know each other and blah, blah, blah. So I'm going to pass on it this time around because he, he replaced me in my fight that I couldn't fight, you know what I mean? And he got it to be a, uh, for a title and stuff like that. My fight wasn't even meant for a title, but he went in, won the fight, asked for it to be a title, got the title. And then I was like, nah. And then I remember it so well. My dad went into hospital this day. Uh, Liver Liva was given, uh, given in and I came home one day and he was white in the face, he was yellow and his, uh, he ended up going into appendicitis. He got appendicitis, so his appendix was fucking about to blow up. So he ended up going into hospital, he ended up in bleeding ICU and all. And it was, I just remember that day I got the offer for Shem again. And I was like, my coach Dave texted me, look, they really want you to fight Shem, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, right, if I take the fight, my mind is going to be distracted from what's going on with my dad and all. So it'll keep me, it'll keep me focused and I won't be feeling sorry for myself. So I was like, fuck it. And then the more I thought of it, I was like, I'm not going to take the fight and not know how good I am and not take a chance and kind of run away like a little bitch. Or am I going to take it and show that I'm a high level here? So I ended up taking the fight, which surprised kind of a lot of people, even in my gym, you know what I mean? They're like, fuck, I fighting Shane. I was like, yeah. So I fought, ended up fighting him for the title and ended up KOing him in the first round. Uh, another big, big win. He was 6-0, big, big hype behind him. And that's what really kind of accelerated my my growth on the regional scene initially. And unfortunately for Shane, he ended up fighting me, fucking got knocked out. He had his man over, first time he's seen his man in years, because... If you don't know his story, he was on the run for years and uh, brings his mar over to Belfast and loses, unfortunately, and then gets arrested the next day and sent back to the jail in Liverpool had to, for the crime he was on the run for. It's a good story, boys, in fairness. Be available uh, next week for the podcast. Must get him, reach out to you. He has a good story, boys. But any, for him and John was like, right, we're going to get you on a big show now. So that's when the Bellator uh, gig ended up coming around. and The stuff you've already touched on. Yeah, but like leading up to that Bellator, because I was still working in Aldi boys, I was like, I was acting the complete bollocks with the job. Yeah, I was like, uh, I was going here, I was like, Roy, my opponent's training full time. I was like, Roy, calling, say, I have COVID, ring, ring, ring in. I think I had COVID about four times in, in about six <laughs> weeks. You know what I mean? So I ended up just kept ringing in sick to make sure I get the best training out of it. The only reason why I didn't leave my job at the time was because I, I had a car loan and you know, all these kind of things that you just have as an adult, it's unfortunate. But the Bellator gig was like gonna get me free of whatever debt I had and, and stuff like that. So I got fought in Bellator, cleared me debt, and then 
or I'll never forget it, boys. I won on the Friday. I was back in work on the Monday and my manager was talking to me. And bear in mind, I was in East Wall and I moved to Sutton and it was a new stop here getting it all done up. And I was promised that I could, because I wanted to do less hours and focus on fighting. So I was promised that I can only do 20 hours a week and I can step down, uh, not step down as a manager, but to have less responsibility. And I was like, hey, this is grand. I go there, I'm working flat out and it's no sign of this promise, you know what I mean? So I was getting pissed off and it was just making me more negative. I won this fight. Back into work on the Monday, my manager was like, oh yeah, happy days. All right, I want you to do a week of overnights for Easter. And she just said it to me and I was like, I'm done. I was like, I'm gone. Ended up going AWOL then for a while now. I acted the bollocks and fairness. Like, I, I feel sorry for the staff that I was working with because they're all great people and they had me back and I, I kind of done them dirty, but I felt like it's what I needed to do. Although I went about it the wrong way, it was the best thing I ever done was leave that job, yeah. boys, because... I never had the reassurance of myself training every day, twice a day. And I was beating all these lads with a full-time job. Mm -hmm. And I said to myself, if I'm doing this at this level with like a full-time job and 50 hours a week stressed out of my head, if I don't have these distractions and stresses, how good can I actually be? We only spoke about this on a podcast recently as well, about mm. taking a gamble on yourself, taking that risk and, and just going for something. Like, I know you were walking and you needed that security and the money coming in and whatever, but you, you took a gamble there by leaving. You know what I mean? Because you don't know what's going to happen next. What happens if you go out and you go on a two, three, four, little streak and you're like, well, actually... At least you tried, though. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? I'd rather, I'd rather leave the job and take the gamble yeah. and know then yeah. rather than... There's no, like, ah, oh, well, I'm doing... I think the job is an easy excuse, and I even spent into some of my fights where I was like, if I lose, I'm working a job. These aren't working jobs. So I was like, I don't know if you ever heard John Jones talking about how he used to go out gargling the week before the fight, just in case he lost, he'd say I, I was out gargling. Excuse, yeah. I kind of had that excuse always lined up if that was the case, but obviously I was winning and me, me desire to win was more than that excuse was hanging over me, you know what I mean? And I left the job anyway. That and must have been mad though, and anyways, gambling, winning the fight, to go out to walk in the retail. I know you did do it after a live show, which yeah. I think is mad. Keep me humble. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I, after we we do obviously like shows. It's not fighting, obviously, but it's similar. It's say the highs and the it's crowds. It's a big high, and, and then you're back to reality. And then he yeah. goes and walks. You know, the walk the next yeah, day. Yeah, fair play, boy. That's that like, thing. I'd be going in, and everyone like, yeah, right, like yeah, grand, and they'd be like, right, I need you to do this. Is like no one has a clue. Yeah, and yeah. It was like, mate, there's two thousand people showing. And yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just think that's a mad old fucking. I don't know concept or whatever you. But I think it works well, for you though. So yeah, I don't mind it. To me, it's just another. Day, do you know what I mean? It keeps the days just as one. You don't, they don't peak. They don't, yeah. they don't, uh, no, you don't in the pit. Then you know what I mean? It's just level. But I don't think enough people realise that fighting isn't this glitz and glamour. That they look on the telly and think they're on millionaires. Do you know what I mean? And realise this fella, like you would have been on the telly on that fella talk hard probably. Yeah. And they'd be like, that fella has to go now and do a shift in Aldi. I know. Do you know what I mean? People don't realise how how different there is. There's only like the top, top 1% that making like money. money that's going to carry them into the especially next generation. In, especially in MMA. In M and that's why we see, like people don't probably realise why so many MMA fighters are crossing over into boxing because there's more money to be there. It's in their best interest to do that. They're not doing it to prove a point. They're doing it to build up their bank account. And even in boxing as well, like we've seen small shows, Terry, and it's horrible to see, do you know what I mean? Because you'd be like, people don't see the hard work that goes into putting on these small shows. And this is where people make that bread and butter and this is where people build their careers and it's not this like oh there's Mayweather or there's McGregor and there's these UFC cards and these pay-per-view and they're going to have a Lamborghini and they're going to fucking buy a yacht or whatever 
these young blitz are out here grafting and then they're going and putting a shift in to put bleeding food on the table. But we go to small boxing shows and we go to small MMA shows and we've been there and we see lads grafting. Like we were at a boxing show recently as well and we were at a boxing show last year and they're seeing lads and they're going six and oh, you know they probably got paid fucking 250 quid or 500 quid to fight on that. Like I just think it's mental and then they might get to a stage where they fight with a European title or a world title let's say but that's even a stretch then. But a lot of people don't see the graft that goes in the background, just trying to build your record and get fights on the record to eventually have a say in getting a title fight. Like nobody realizes there's no money at all whatsoever in it. Mm. I and think boxing's worse though for the MMA, especially, especially at the start levels. Yeah. I think boxing's way worse. Especially in boxing of... because you might even have to do that ten or fifteen times before you got a decent show. Yeah, yeah. probably more. Probably more about, like, obviously who you know and all that jazz. It's yeah. here in life really, but even boxing as a sport, boys. It's it's tough. Like yeah. I, I train in a boxing club next door to SBG and I do my boxing work there and some of the like the mentality of boxers is just different, you know what I mean? And you can really feel it when you're sparring the pros and stuff, you can really feel that these have a different mentality and it's I have a bit more respect then because I'm like, fuck you, I think this for even less than what okay. like I feel like I'm out of cut here, like and you have it way worse, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's boxing especially is one of them that you need to have a, a little bit more inside you, I think, if you really want to make it like it's a longer journey especially if you don't have the right people around you but I know as well I didn't want to take any I didn't mean any disrespect to you or any other fighters oh, out there no. but I mentioned Calvin going from a live show to job I just think that's a mad concept but I think like for you it's obviously a lot worse like you was training twice a day every single day physically demanding mentally demanding to make that walk to go out and fight another man and then go up the next day and go yeah, a few days later and walk you should be financially rewarded more than I am, than you are, uh, that you don't have to grow up and. Because Calvin's worth a fortune, man. Yeah. Watch how much he's making. <laughs> From one job to the other, to the other, to the other. Uh, it, it, is, it is a bit shit. It's smack of reality in the face, as I said, but like mm. some of my amateur fights the same. I'm fight the night before, I'm back in, either I walk the next day, and mm. I was, it was just so normal for me. But then I, I really had to look at, like, right, you look at the, all the top level lads, and they don't, obviously, some lads in the UFC need the job, maybe they're not getting paid as much, but you look at most of the lads who are committed to this full time, and the skills just improve rapidly. And although, yeah, like, it's a great life I live, you know what I mean? But it's, it's very hard, like, yeah. the discipline every day, like, even. Like I'm a bit sick today and the last few days and just even getting up to go to the gym this morning. Now I didn't train with anyone. I just thankfully John was doing a bit of striking drills at the start. So I just went into the cage and did the striking drills by myself. And then when he was doing the rounds, I just shadow box for the rounds. But even today, just to drag myself out of bed, running nose, throw this at me. I'm like, I don't really want to go in here. And I just forced myself to go in like, because I have to do it. And that's a lot of the stuff that people don't see. And like that, as you said, like they see you winning, they think you're this professional as you've made it and stuff like that but in reality like like you have to make the money last like it's not like it's just you get paid a lump sum and yeah everyone's happy it's like right how do I manage coaches this now have to be paid rent <laughs> needs to be paid pay your tax pay the coaches you know if it's in the gym if he's in the gym if you're uh, getting paid in dollars that goes back to euro and you're losing more money and before you know you're left with half your pay and it's like uh, what do I do here like what do I do but I was always poxy with money. Even when I was in Aldi, I get paid a good wage every month. I'd be broke two because I got paid monthly by Aldi. I'd, I'd have two weeks of the month where I'm like Living begging me mad for breadcrumbs yeah. and all. You know what I mean? And I was like, right, if I'm gonna do this, I need to get my act together. Like, and it's, I feel like it's something I'm getting better at. Like, having an accountant now, and I'm 
legit in some sense, but I still learning on the job, you know what I mean? And it's really trying to make the money work for you in the long run is what I want to do. But for now, it's just like getting enough money to have as a safety net. Yeah. To have, if something goes wrong, I have a few quid there, but ultimately like it's money management and it's just been a little bit more mature than just being someone like splashing money on clothes or splashing money on all these little decisions you make and I'm a fuck up I'm buying coffee every day that's something I could actually probably get better with you know what I mean coffee, yeah I spend a lot of money on that I think that's my next venture to wind down on but um, I'm, I'm in a position now where I'm starting to gradually make more money each fight I'm on a win streak obviously a huge win streak yeah, yeah. Uh, eight wins in a row now and so you recently fought at MSG yeah talk yeah. to us about that that was a mental one boys I was fucking shitting me jocks you know what I mean it's just I don't know like I know I said I'm normally sweet but that one especially I think I built up my head it's MSG it's all the boys have been there and all the, the biggest events and the mecca of fighting but I was I was grand the whole week I was calm and uh, I had John in my corner and just obviously you know John boys he's he's been there done it with everyone and the reassurance that you get when he's in your corner for me especially I just feel like yeah I'm calm here I'm sweet we got off the plane. I was fighting at about, say, 9 o'clock that night. So for the week, we are training at that time every evening until the weigh-in. So, but on the low calories, on everything else, when me and John were doing our sessions, I felt powerful, explosive, confident. I just knew I was going to get the win. Like I just felt indestructible. And MSG was right across the road from my hotel. So every day I was looking at my window and seeing it. And every day I speak positively. So like, this is going to be special. This is going to be a special one. Anyways, we go with the fight. Uh, even the day before the fight, the weigh-ins, they do it in the arena and I face off my opponent and I just got this mad buzz, you know what I mean? It's like, I'm, I feel like I'm meant to be here. I feel like, in an arrogant way, I belong here, you know what I mean? In, in that sense, and I was like, oh, I feel like I'm meant to be here. I got a whop of buzz off it. And then the next day came and I was just ecstatic to fight and end up fighting a really, really good, tough fight for me. And I needed a fight like that because at the time, I was on a seven-fight win streak and six of them were first round finishes. So I didn't have a lot of octagon time really to have behind me. Because even in my amateur fights, I had a lot of finishes in my amateur fights as well. So all the cage time. But you're not getting paid to stay in there either. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. You get paid per fight, not but <laughs> when you get to the top tiers, the chances of you getting them finishes kind of get lower and lower because oh, everyone's yeah. so fucking good, you know what I mean? So although I was good at that, I didn't get a finish, which I was hunting for because that's my style of fighting and I'm proud to say I'm always coming to, to entertain and I'm always coming to have a good rattle and try get a finish, you know what I mean? It's something, I think that's what fans want to see and I think it makes exciting fighters. So I, I went out with that intent to get the KO or the sub or whatever, but I think I actually wound myself up a bit too much for that fight. Even in the dressing room, I was like... like kind of grinding my teeth and, you know, talking to myself in a, like, real, like, almost negative way to get myself the best out of myself. I and mean, when I, I think in the grand scheme of things, I ended up being too tense then. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't relaxed and I went in, came at your man hard and fast in the first round and ended up, like, not blowing the tank, but got a good output in. He ended up poking me in the eye and obviously you get a few minutes so he poked me in the eye I was like fucking lovely I know you even though it's a poke in the eye I was like grand I can catch me Brett now and then there was a point in the end of the first round he caught me with a lovely shot and it wobbled me and it was right before the bell and I sat on the still going out the second round and John was talking to me and he was talking to me but I, I was just in my head I was present 
and I was like, right now, this isn't the fight you think it's going to be. This is where you really, really need to show your composure, your mentality. And this is where we need to be smart and not fight a fight just to get it finished. We need to uh, think about fight IQ and fight smart here. And then I zoned back in and John was like, keep it simple, keep it simple. Because I was trying to force things too much and he said, keep it simple. So I, I went out then and I fought a much smarter fight then and I ended up getting the the win in, in, a, in a nice... Uh, two judges gave it 20-27, one gave it 29-28. I thought I could have lost the second round, but my opponent, boys, I actually couldn't believe it, right? Because of that second round... I thought I won the second round, but then again, I, I didn't really know. And at the end of the fight, my opponents walking around, like throwing shapes and dancing and all. And, like, and I, was, I was like, Why is he so calm? I was like, I was yeah. like John, did I win? Like, and he's like, Yeah, 2027. And I was like, All right. And then he was just kept dancing. He's like, That and all that. And I was like, What the fuck is this wrong with this fella? Like, surely I won. Like, and then, because uh, I knew I won the first round, and then I, I knew I won the third one, but still, uh, you just don't know when you're in yeah. there. And uh, he started dancing, grooving, all, all that jazz. And I'm looking, going, right, what the fuck? Then they took ages to call out the result. Maybe it was because the ads on the telly, I don't know. They took bleeding ages. And the more I went on, the more he was confident. I was like, fucking hell, like, uh, like, did I lose this? And then there was a screen, and they end up showing up, like, the commentators gave their predictions. And I seen it was all of me. And I was like, fuck it. I was like, fuck yeah. you. And I lovely. I'm about to get in the win. So I got the win. I was fucking broke up now. I kicked his knee in the start of the first round straight on the bone down my foot I was like bah, fuck I was like right I have to fight another two rounds of this now but you just switch off and throw the kitchen sink at them and, and, and all that jazz uh, I tell you it's a gift having John in the corner it's like, I'd say he was fed up with me that night because I just wasn't doing the things I should have been doing I had like the game plan but he doesn't say things to you like he's not like a roar in your face and blah 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 he keeps everything clear and concise yeah it's like gives you something bad that you did and then something good that you did and he finishes on the good now and you're like right I'm going to keep that going now and it's just them little simple things that obviously years of experience fighting at the top level you have that eye for and you have mm. that like attitude that you can just you can say what you need to say without it being too overwhelming and it works for me before I went over there I was like you better get me on that fucking Dublin card if you don't I'm gonna cause more or like because like you never really, I never really know what the story is with PFL sometimes you hear things and you don't and then it's rumours and blah 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 and then they were like oh no you're definitely gonna be on it so I was like right I was coming out of that fight and then straight into this fight, that like that mindset. So I just let myself heal, end up getting back into it. And now I'm obviously just over three weeks away from fighting in the three arena now for the Dublin card. And it's it's real full circle for me because I feel like from when I had my first fight in the three arena, it's my second pro fight, I lost my split decision. I got a taste of what it's like to fight in a big arena. Then I fought on Bellator in the three arena and had a big crowd for me. It was it was a great night because I won convincingly. Then I got more, more composure and then then when I went to fight in Madison Square Garden, I was like, yeah, I've fought in three arena, I've done the biggest stage, but that was different because it was just maybe MSG and you just think of all the greats who fought there. So I was a, a little bit more jittery for that one. And the crowd as well, he was from New York and I was fighting him in New York and I actually, there was more support from him than I thought there was going to be. And then when I heard the cheers from him, I was like, fuck, but I always brought it back to now I'm, I've fought here, I've done everything I need to do and now this one's going to be the exact same. I'm in the same uh, boat I was in for the last three but just much more experience behind me and much more composure and I just know on the night I have like half me bleeding family and friends ringside. Oh, the fingless. It, literally, it's going to be and I'm walking out there. That's the dangerous old choice for any opponent. The, the most hostile <laughs> view you can probably come across. <laughs> and I'm going to walk out the Crazy World by Aslan as well so it'll be a good sing-along, good, good tribute to yeah. Christy Fingless legend, you know what I mean? And, 
it's a song we can all relate to in some way or form, you know what I mean? So I just, I really do feel like this opportunity here is, is a big one. And I remember the PFL put up a, a poster of being my opponent and it was like, uh, it said something along the lines of, um, you know, Nathan's really under the pressure here and he has to deal with the high pressure. And I just retweeted it saying, give me all the pressure. Because I literally feel like when I'm in that hot spot, in the hot seat where everyone is looking at me and I have to perform, I feel like that's where I shine. Mm. And I, I just wanted to prove it to everyone. And the fact that obviously I'm selling a heap of tickets, they gave me that opportunity then they just took the chance and said, fuck it, we'll, we'll give them this main card slot. So I think if I win this one now, depending on what that plans are for me, next year I can go into that million dollar season hopefully yeah. and try fight for a world title next year. I don't understand how that million dollar So that's what I was going to ask yeah. you to explain. So obviously a lot of people out there probably don't even know what the PFL is yeah. and you came close to getting into that million dollar season before we actually had this conversation a few months ago. I don't know if you remember on Instagram we were going Yeah, I was about yeah, texting you about it. That was me Florida fight actually. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. when I was in Florida. Yeah, yeah. That's when I was like, what the, like, I don't understand how you can be denied an opportunity if you're winning. Like what more yeah. can you do as a fighter? You just win. You should get the opportunity then but it doesn't work that way can you explain it just how it works yeah so for those who don't know, understand PFL PFL is like a, a league format yeah so PFL Global is the US season so basically what it is is a season long format you fight you get two fights in the, at the start of the season so that'd be like your league table and you get the two fights if you win, you get three points. If you win in the first round and finish, you get a bonus three points. If you win in the second round, you get two points. If you win the third round, you get one. If you got the decision, it's just three points. So obviously, it's in your best interest to get first round finishes, to get max points. One goes against four, two, it goes against three at the end of the two fights. So the table goes into the playoffs, which is semi-finals straight away. When are them semi-final fights go into the finals. And then the winner gets the world title and a million dollars. But it's funny how it happens because e this season, actually, the start of this season, uh, there's a few mad results where kind of the experienced favourites end up getting knocked out. Like, I don't know if you know Brendan Lachlan. He was the champion from the year before and he fought a lad called Jesus Pinedo and Pinedo caught him with a lovely knee, knocked him out. And it was funny because there was a fella called Chris Wade who was waiting because he finishes, he won by finish on that night in the first or second round or whatever way it was. But because Pinedo finished him in a quicker time than Chris Wade won, he went through. Pinedo went through and now he's in the final. You know what I mean? So it, it, it kind of is, it's different to those who don't maybe know it. And to those like UFC casuals, it's just like, oh, just, the best should just fight the best and blah, blah, blah. But I remember when I fought in Cardiff, the president, Ray Seppo, I sat down and had dinner with him. And uh, he was like saying, in this promotion, it's not up to me. It's up to you. You keep winning the fights and you'll get your chance. And I know that's what you're saying. If you're winning the fight, you should be getting these opportunities. But I think, so my first fight with PFL was meant to go into a European tournament. And then I got told the European tournament wasn't going ahead. So I was like, right, where does that leave me? And I wouldn't mind that. It was the, one of the best fights I've ever had. I literally went out, blitzed the hometown lad in like two minutes. And uh, opening the main card, uh, I remember Ronnie McDonald's coach, uh, Faraz Sahabi, was in the dressing room. Ronnie McDonald was there, and I went. I felt, I just felt like I was like, yeah, all the boys are here. You know what I mean? I'm gonna go out and perform. Bless your man. I came back, and Faraz was like, that's some performance, pal. And I was like, yeah, cheers. And 
thought I was going into this tournament, then it doesn't happen. But then they told me we're going to bring it into the, the thing called the Challenger Series, which is like the UFC Contender Series, but PFL's version. So they got me visa and all sorted. So even though it didn't work out for me to go into the tournament, there's like positives from it as well. You know what I mean? They got me visa, have a work visa now for the US. I fought in Florida in uh, Orlando Studios, which was a good experience. It was like the apex fighting with now. Like there was a little crowd like of like 50 people. And funny enough, two of the people who I used to manage in Aldi were out in Florida and they went to it. I saw it out. I was like, he's legends. You know I mean? Connor, Connor and Shannon, yeah. Uh, Sharon, sorry. And uh, I got them in. They went in fairness. But, uh, so I won that one and then I had the contract dispute down the night. So the way it worked was and like a public vote or something. Isn't it? Yeah, but like I, I knew I wasn't going to get this before I went over because the PFL did a little mini episode on me and another fella called Brian Sorcher. And basically the gist I got was if, it's, if us two win on the night, it's going to be down between us two and then there's a fan vote and a celebrity judge vote, yeah? So, obviously, if the fans vote for him and the judges vote for him, he goes through. But if it's split deadlock, the PFL president will pick the winner. But he trains in the president's gym in Extreme Go Tour. So, I felt like even if... Oh, you are I, I felt like I was screwed. Yeah. And he, so, I was telling all my family, I was like, don't even worry about it. I'm not going to win it. I'm not going to win it. Like, because I know, I know it's kind of set up. But so, I was like, all I can do is win anyway. So, went over did your man handy and it's funny because all the judges like Tyron Woodley and one of the ex-UFC girls I can't remember her name um, Megan something and then Tim Kennedy like UFC legends they're like oh Kelly some fighter you've done him quick and blah 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 what an amazing fighter I won the best fights on the night and then when it comes to picking the best fighter they pick your man I was like you cheeky fuckers you know what I mean don't be, don't, be tell, don't be spewing me that bollocks and then vote for the other lad but the fan vote was at like what four in the morning over here yeah so like and, voting at that time. exactly do you know what I mean and and I had, I still had a close enough like percentage compared, like considering the circumstances. But I'm finally by losing it on Twitter, giving abuse to, it. and I was like, chill, like, like don't be like exploding because I had a feeling this was gonna happen anyway. I was like, I have, but when I signed with PFL, I signed the five fight deal regardless. So regardless of me, wherever where, I was going, I knew I was gonna have three more fights anyway. But I was talking to Ray and after and. I was like, just get me active. I want to be active. I don't want to be sitting around. You see, I'm at the winning the fight soon. There's no point in leaving me on the sidelines. They're like, oh, we'll bring you over for the for one of the playoffs. And then the MSG thing came about. So even though I was a bit upset that I didn't go the route they had a plan for me initially, just going with the flow worked out for me. And yeah. I feel like they're actually trying to build me up now. And I think that's partially the reason why I didn't go into the US season is that there's a lot of experienced lads in the season and like like 20 plus fights and 30 plus fights and I think they wanted me to kind of gradually get to that position where I can have the confidence and have the experience and all that jazz behind me yeah. and that's slow building me you could say you know what I mean yeah I think the PFL is going to be something people hear a lot of now especially over the, I'd say the next 18 months because they've acquired Bellator Francis Ogane who Realistically, be Tyson Fury is signed with 100% them. 100% better Tyson Fury, boys. Yeah. And Jake yeah. Paul has a fight yeah. with them as well, doesn't he? Yeah, Jake Paul's in with them as well. And I've seen a lot of people attacking you, but like, when are you fighting them and all? Yeah, yeah but how long did I have to go flat out on the Burger King and McDonald's to start <laughs> making that weight? You know what I mean? But yeah. they're just the casuals that don't, don't really understand. Like, oh, I'll fight him someday, boys. Yeah, maybe when I'm fucking. Well, he has a deal with them as well, though, doesn't he? So, yeah, he, he has a stake in the company. I think it's something to do with that. So, he has a stake in the company and he invested into it. Like a lot of the PFL is made up from investors. Yeah. And these are people who have like a say in what goes on. So I think Jake Paul invested in 
into the company so that he can kind of control his own career in a sense. So what he's in now is the pay-per-view division, which is Francis Ngannou is going to be in. So when they do decide to roll out this pay-per-view division, you'll have a lot of big names and stuff like that because all the ones are on now are just on like the zone and stuff like that. But when they do go to run this, you'll have the likes of him and Ngannou, maybe some other like Lock Nine and stuff. Maybe he'll go on that. Like, yeah, so probably for you played in Jake Paul on it. I'd love to see it. Just because who would want to see that, you know what I mean? And I think it, Diaz would be stupid to turn it down. I think everyone wants yeah. to see that. I just have to fancy Diaz in a boys. I don't know, man. I don't know. I just think I, I just think Jake Paul is just hungry for it. I know he, he's really successful, but when someone just wants it more, they can always have that little bit more of an edge. Yeah. And I think Diaz is slowing down realistically. And MMA we're talking. I just don't know. I thought like in the latter rounds of that boxing match, I thought Diaz gave my leg going over in the last yeah. couple of rounds. He's playing thumping the hell and that's in boxing. Yeah. I, I just I don't see I don't know, boys. I, I, I've been hating on Jake Paul. Not hating, but I, I, every time I... I've actually been a fan of him, bro. Yeah, not, not, not even hating, but like I kept saying, oh, he's going to lose, he's going to lose, and he keeps proving me wrong. So like I'm kind of like jumping no, on well, I've, all, I've always said about him, he, like, from my point of view, I've always felt like he can't fight, and he is putting the work in, and you can't deny that. You can clearly see he's been boxing for about 20 minutes, and he's beating, the, he's knocking out Tyrone Woodley, and I know that Boxing blade world yeah. champions, but these have been world champions in MMA. He's getting wins. You have to respect that regardless. You yeah. know what I mean? Don't you? And I don't give a bollocks. If I hate them, step in lap. Yeah, yeah, and, and bring me back there. That's it. Like <laughs> people will always hate regardless, and I think that's. I think that's a good thing because you're, even the haters will want to see a lose. Just yeah. so they're, they're all paying your age regardless. Well, that's what he has in abundance. Yeah, he, he has that love, he has that hate, yeah. and that's what you need. I think that that's a kind of Ian Gary has that kind of thing as well. It's like yeah. people like him and then people just want to see him lose because the way he goes on. And people loved Ian Gary until the Neil Magny fight. I would like yeah. To say, yeah. yeah. After that, it's just like. Yeah, I think, I don't know. I don't know why, but each to their own, you know what I mean? I'm not going to criticise him. How are you feeling for December? Yeah, I'm December 8th, isn't it? December 8th, yeah. I'm, I'm feeling great. I feel, uh, like I said, this going to be me. This going to be a pro fight in just over two years. Eight uh, of them. A pro fight in just two years. Um, boys, honestly, I, I, look, I look around, I like to see who's doing the same amount of graft as me. Like, Because yeah. it's, 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 it's one fight to the next, to the next, to the next. You know what I mean, I look around, no one is putting the work in. No one's getting these fights consistently and winning and moving on to the next. And I think my attitude is perfect because I don't celebrate my wins. You know what I mean? I think when I'm done and over with, then I'll look back and in a position where I can reflect. But people ask me, oh, you chose to win an MSG, couldn't give a fuck. It's done and over now. You know what I mean? That's the attitude I have. And I think that's why. And ultimately, training smart as well. Like, I'm not, I listen to my body a lot. Like, I'll take days off if I need to. I know this whole approach, you've got to be David Goggins and blah, blah, blah. Like, don't listen to your mind. But ultimately, my body is what helps me perform. So I'll, I will listen to my body a lot. And I think my approach, I had the chat with John as well. He, he keeps drilling into us. It's 24 7, 365. If you train camp to camp, you're not going to have the same growth where if you just train every day, 365. Obviously, you can take days off here and there, but if it's the 365 approach, you're always going to be steadily, st like, it's not like boom, boom, boom. It's just steady, steady, steady yeah. growth. You know what I mean? And that's what's been working for me. And now I'm going on to my 8 5. I'm fucking getting a big opportunity. And I feel like all the work and all the like the blood, sweat, the tears, everything that's gone into this has just led me to this position. And I'm really, really grateful for the life I'm living. I get the headline to Trey Arena, like, do you know what I mean? It's, it's mental. I know it's only maybe in, in some people's minds, it's not as big of a show or whatever, because you don't really know PFL. But one thing about PFL Europe is like, you have to remember, boys, this is all the best talent in Europe. 
Like the European scene is much better than the regional US scene, in my opinion. And I think we have much more higher level of standard of MMA. So when you get us all together with a chip on our shoulder, ready to prove everything to the world and waiting for our opportunities, you're going to get bangers of fights on the night. And I guarantee you, some of the fights on the night that people obviously maybe have no interest in the cards and stuff like that, but they don't know these fighters. Yeah, it's a big Irish contingent on I'm the card. I'm telling you now, boys, there's banging fights on this card. Like, you don't, like, obviously, you probably don't see it on paper, you don't know much about the fighters, but everyone is going to come to deliver. There's four finals, 100k for each winner. There's high emotions, high anxiety, everything that you want in a fight night is going to be here on this night. And I just, I really feel it's going to be a, a good way to kick off the European scene for PFL and for them to, to end the year with a bang and, you know, ultimately have me ending the year on the main, the main event, you know what I mean? The, 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 and getting everyone from fingers going off the rocker. But uh, it's a nice way to end the year with PFL. And, like, I really do think that this is going to open people's eyes to this promotion and this... Uh, this kind of format that they're bringing, like it's you're active, you're in, within a chance to win a hundred grand. Like there's a lot at stake, so that makes good viewing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, it doesn't really matter what the organisation is, anyways. Regardless, headline training is sensational. So yeah, yeah, it's a big, big deal. And we're looking forward to it. Yeah, can't wait, bro. Ready, with Rock Teddy. Yeah. Finished. All good with you, man. Yeah, I'm curious to have me on, boys. Look. Not, yeah, obviously Corners of Champions Yeah, okay. <laughs> so Fighting obviously Just over three weeks time 8 of December If you want to buy tickets uh, Some are still on sale like, I want to be linking me Instagram I think I have a Instagram, Facebook, Twitter And even on Bleeding TikTok I think I have a link there uh, Use the code NATE All caps For 20% off And the tickets Are actually reasonably priced In fairness So you're not spending Too much for a night out Compared to some other shows um, And then other than that Just thanks for having me on boys I've been a big fan of this podcast since day one and a lot of times when I was walking on Aldi and I was fucking wanting to end my life and all that jazz I would just be listening to you and it would make that that shift at that day a little bit easier and it's, it's honestly I was only saying to Terence earlier like I look forward to listening to you you know what I mean and there's not a lot of things that actually bring that kind of feeling towards me and, and I really relate to what he's out doing and I think he's out doing an unreal thing. He's out sending the perfect messages out to the young fellas and you're obviously pushing the right the right narrative for the way obviously life should be lived and you know what I mean? I'm grateful to have come across you and, and you have the guests you've had on and the conversations you've had really opened my eyes. So I just want to say, is that killing it, boys? And it's just, it's unreal to see, boys. And yeah. keep at it for as long as you can because you're helping a lot more people than you probably even realise. And I'm one of them, 100%. Thanks very Appreciate much. Appreciate that, brother. Thanks very much. And thanks very much yeah. for coming on. Yeah. Thanks, boys. Well, take us out, on. Boom. Subscribe to this podcast for free on the Go Loud app. What you waiting for? What you back in The hip knocker. Go down, go down, go down.